0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor John Alexander. I'm here with Stephen Wood from Liberty Church of the River Wards. And uh, thanks for joining us for this uh, video, or if you're listening, this recording. Uh, We wanted to take a moment and explain and really walk you through some of the really important rationale for how we ended our sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. If you were with us on Easter Sunday, you noticed that uh, we read Mark's resurrection account In verses 1 through 8 of Mark 16. And then the next week, that was this past Sunday, we didn't preach anymore from the gospel of Mark. And in fact, we are done our series walking through the gospel of Mark. That might be, yeah, yeah, well, well, or did we? Uh, uh, Um, uh, If you're, if you are an observant uh, congregant and reader of the gospel of Mark, you might notice that there are some additional verses in the gospel of Mark. Maybe. Uh, In ESV, for example, and in most modern translations, right before verse 9 of Mark 16, it'll say some of the earliest manuscripts do not include Mark 16 verses 9 through 20. And yet here it is in the Bible. So is this part of the Bible? It's printed here, but it's like the publishers of most modern translations are saying, "Eh, eh, eh, I don't know. We chose not to preach through this last part of Mark 16, frankly, because we're not sure if it's part of the gospel of Mark. And this opens up, as Steve and I, we're going to discuss very briefly, a lot of questions, not just about what you do with the gospel of Mark, but what you do with the whole bible when you come across variant readings or parts of it that we're not sure are original i don't even know for some of you if you've ever noticed reading through the bible it's not that much of the bible but it's not just one or two places either right where you see a note we're not sure if this is original or not so Stephen, i i don't know like at what point in your christian journey you started to pick up on this reading the Bible. When was it for you? Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I started to pick up on it probably around first when I was in college. And I think the the first passage that was kind of the alarm bells and asking the question about this is I think John chapter eight, uh, where there's the, the, which is just like this incredibly moving story of Jesus, uh, you know, consoling the, the woman who was caught in adultery and, um, and just, you know, this thing where Jesus draws a line in the sand and, is writing in the sand and, and says you know whoever is in there's a crowd that's going to stone the woman and they, they and he says to them you know whoever is without sin can cast the first stone it's like this amazing teaching but then you look more closely in the translation you see these brackets um, and I was introduced to the the problem more fully in seminary um, and it's particularly like a, an issue in the study of the gospels um, and you know, there, there are some that have to do with just like one verse or bigger sections, like John eight. Uh, but the question of Mark sixteen is considered the biggest question um, as it relates to manuscripts, variant readings, and if you and if you all have more questions about those throughout the Gospels. Um, we, we would love to talk about it more. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've thought some about the Mark 16 readings in, in seminary, specifically taking a class on the gospel of Mark, um, which we can talk about here in a sec. Um, but okay. maybe, maybe we could start by, you said that there are like two, two, like two ways to go with this. One is how it relates to the whole gospel of Mark. And then second off is like, how does this affect our whole understanding of scripture? Um, so
0: maybe yeah. those could be like our two headers, yeah, um, and, and 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 that'll, it, no matter what we do, it's just going to be the beginning of a conversation. We're not going to get much into John 8 today, um, although it's worth saying that John 8 and Mark 16 are kind of far and away the two biggest examples of this in the New Testament. Usually when we're talking about a variant reading, like a we're not so sure type of reading, you're talking about a phrase, you're talking right. about a verse. Um and uh, today, we're just going to talk about Mark 16, but let's let this be the beginning of a conversation, uh, not the end of one. So um, before we uh, go any further, I have an a old-fashioned uh, sword drill. Stephen has uh, this game that he plays with uh, our catechumen kids um, for catechism class, the elementary kids that are uh, getting ready, some of them to be baptized, all of them preparing for receiving communion the first for the first time if you're not familiar with it a sword drills when you throw a passage of scripture out there and you see how fast you can turn to it so uh, you listeners and your view- viewers and Stephen uh, you're competing you're racing against Stephen um, uh, mark 15 verse 28 go well, it's, it's not very
1: fair I already have my Bible open okay well so mind. if you
0: all if you all beat me that'd be very very <laughs>
1: very impressive
0: well just find it and hold it and I'm gonna move on so. Um, For our first question, just for today, we've set this up a little bit. Essentially, there are three ways the ending of Mark can go. There are three ways the ending can go. The The first way it can go is the longer ending is original, verses 9 through 20. So it wasn't in the earliest manuscripts of the New Testament that have been discovered by Archaeologists and historians. It wasn't in the earliest ones, according to tradition, etc. But it might be. It's from some later ones. Maybe those. Maybe maybe some of those early ones uh, just were uh, not accurate copies. But. This isn't that popular of an option, and Stephen. I don't know if you want to speak to this uh, on, on this position. Are you familiar with some of the ways that this option, that the longer ending versus nine through twenty, is original? Are you familiar with some of the debate about that question? I, I'm familiar with some of
1: it. I mean, the the main point that has always stuck out to me that it's that it's not genuine is just is more is syntactic and, and grammatic, grammatical that the way like the vocabulary used in this section is dramatically different than what we see in the rest of the gospel of Mark even in even to reading there's a lot of those problems you know you can't always see when you're reading in another language like English but I think even when you're reading this in English you can tell where the the gospel of Mark is a is a book that's that's just it doesn't have much rhetoric rhetorical flourish flourish <laughs> uh but is, is just like a hammer pounding a nail hammer pounding a nail this then this then this uses the word immediately all the time uh but you just there's a lot more flourish a lot more different like a wider vocabulary that you find in 9 through 20 that
0: just doesn't seem to fit
1: that's what always stuck out to me among the reasons why
0: yeah, I've, I've read that one. I um, I gotta be honest, I haven't read, I, I do have some biblical Greek. I've not read and compared, you know, in the original language that closely compared to what the rest of the Gospel of Mark uh, reads like. And I didn't even read uh, super carefully in, pre- in preparation for this podcast. Um, but I did do uh, just more of a reading of the text in English. And a couple of things that pops up that scholars also refer to is, it's like it's, pasting in some of the endings of the other gospels right it's like it's like the end of uh, mark 16 1 through 8 it just has the women fleeing the tomb terrified and then it just ends actually the last verse if if verse 8 is the end uh, the last word is afraid in english um, the last word uh, the, the last verse says uh, they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and, and astonishment and seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And frankly, the gospel of Matthew, Luke, and John all end on a much higher note. And you'll even see right, very, the very next verse in verse 9, if it's original. You know, we'll talk about it. It says, when he rose, verse 9, on the on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, etc. This is the ending of the Gospel of John, um, where Mary Magdalene is, has this encounter with Jesus, and it's, it's this longer, prolonged interaction with Jesus, which I believe also happened. Not all of the Gospels include everything that happened between Jesus and the disciples, even the risen Jesus and the disciples. But at any rate, it's almost like, it feels like somebody's saying, But actually, Mary didn't just leave terrified. She actually had this other awesome conversation with Jesus. So don't think badly about her church. Let's give you a little bit more. It just feels like somebody, because almost everybody agrees, the gospel writer John wrote decades after Mark. And it's almost like you can imagine somebody has the gospel of Mark, and they're like, man, John's ending's just so much more awesome. And then from there, after a few verses of that, she's also,
1: it's also rhetorically awkward that she's reintroduced uh exactly she's, she's right, you know right. she's named in sixteen one, and then sixteen nine. it almost as if it's almost as if mark does is, is reintroducing her as if she she wasn't just introduced a few verses
0: ago right and she's alone now it's not her and the other women which again as the story goes it does seem like there were certain interactions with multiple women and then one with mary alone and then others with other dis- disciples but at any rate it's this rigid jarring change that really, really doesn't flow, um, but is almost meant to look like it should. And then after that, it says in verse 12 and 13, after these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. Well, this is the end of the Gospel of Luke yeah. with a with, uh, uh, guy named Cleopas and the, yeah, the road to Emmaus story where Jesus just appears next to these two dejected disciples. And uh, it's almost like somebody saying, and a little of this happened, too um they've read luke and they want more of this for this uh what they feel like is kind of a pathetic ending to the gospel of mark and then and then it ends finally with a version of like a blend of the great commission and jesus's ascension which seems like a blend of the end of the gospel of matthew and the beginning of the book of acts so i I guess this the, the way to put it is like when we say it doesn't seem like the ending is original it doesn't though seem like somebody was trying to deceive historically it's not like somebody like like an editor came centuries later and was like i'm craftily going to like confuse all these disciples they're just saying hey if you've only got mark there's this other awesome stuff and if you're carrying and, and by the way writing was ridiculously expensive Like, if you've got this whole gospel and you can't afford to go get all of Luke or Matthew, let's give you some of the good stuff afterwards so you can disciple your little community of Christians somewhere in the world and and have more of the story. So with good intentions, it seems like a few centuries later, some redactor came along and added stuff that was not uh, that was more like a, a like a fill in the blank than it was i guess we'd say inspired scripture it's like hey there's this other stuff you don't know about let's get it to you but it wasn't original it seems
1: right and there's still a lot of good that can be mined out from studying chapters or verses nine through 20 you know we learn assuming that this would have it's like commentators would say it was maybe written uh late second century early third century are some of the guesses um, it's it's helpful to, to know like oh well some of the things that are really nailed down in the section are things that would have been widely believed and received by the early church. Uh, Jesus resurrection, the centrality of it, um, the doubts of the disciples you know uh, this isn't that this isn't like some Dan Brown con- conspiracy where it's like we're trying to polish the the beginnings of things to make it as palatable as possible but no it's actually like, something that's been passed down in the, the, the oral tradition of like, Oh no, the disciples doubted. Um, which actually that, that part actually fits with the whole with the whole gospel of Mark. But, uh, and then also that this, this really curious wording that Jesus gives in the, this, 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 you know, late version of the great commission to preach the gospel to all of creation, um, that Mm -hmm. the early church had some understanding of their mission as not just, uh, communicating, a verbal message to fellow human beings but it had something about jesus resurrection had to do with everything um yeah. so there's still really helpful things to be mined wow. out of it even though we wouldn't say that it's capital
0: s scripture right that's well put and that's a great point that i didn't pick up on either that that is differently put in in like it's like a, a theologian let's say and a, a faithful theologian wanting to like insert, Hey, something here is, isn't just for people. Something here is cosmic. Right. in what happened, you know, in Jesus' resurrection and ascension. Right. Okay. So, so that's, I think, I think more briefly, that's what I think. Ne- neither of us are convinced that this longer ending is original though, to be fair, some Christians are, and no judgment. These are just, this is why it's a question we're giving to you all. Um, sure. The second two options much, much more simply is, you get, if, if, if you don't buy that the last uh, 12 verses are original, then you got two choices. Either verse 8 of Mark 16 was the intended end of the gospel. Like gospel yeah. writer Mark said, the last note of this whole gospel is people ran away afraid hearing and seeing that the tomb was empty and being told that Jesus had risen and was going to go ahead of them. But they were terrified and doubting the end. Right. That's one option that's left. The other option that's left is there was more, but over the course of history, it got lost. And we have right. no idea how Mark actually ended. Yeah. Where do you fall on this? So I'm going to go to
1: bat saying, I and I, I think you and I are in the same position, I would go for the second of those two positions. Um, and I just to... to tackle that first one, the, the position that 16.8 is actually the original ending. Uh, so I referenced earlier that I was in a seminary class on the Gospel of Mark, and uh, my professor actually tried to take the view that 16.8 was the ending. Um, and some of his reasons for it, uh, one is uh, according to his take on like the, the themes of the Gospel of Mark at large, that it it kind of fits, like there's themes of Silence uh, throughout the Gospel of Mark. The disciples not fully understanding what's going on, uh, and and that you know this this kind of enigmatic ending. Um, if, if it's with with some of those with some of those themes of it being you know it not being the gospel that we would have wanted it to have to be. He also made the case that it, that ending made sense, uh, thinking about M- Mark's audience, uh, where Mark's audience was were probably. Uh, mixed jewish there's definitely a, he definitely has a gentile audience um in that the, the reason we know that is because of a little aside in chapter seven i think uh, a little parenthetical note where mark explains what pharisees why pharisees would clean themselves which shows that the there are these this letter was written to gentiles people who didn't understand they didn't know the pharisees were, right so yeah. he's like these are probably you know gentiles who were starting to be persecuted and were themselves you know this is written in the 60s Around the time of Nero's persecution, perhaps uh, that they were themselves afraid and astonished and trembling, and Mark's ending this way to try and end with like, "Hey, the first disciples, we know how it went. You know, you've, this message has come to you in power, but the first disciples too, they started off from a position of being afraid and alone, and so and, and that which was a, a really interesting case to make, um, but ultimately I don't find it persuasive." Um, For a few reasons. Uh, The the first is that um, it doesn't fit with this rhythm of of, uh, Jesus' disclosures about who he is in the Gospel of Mark um so the the gospel of mark begins in in chapter one and really just look at mark 1 1 and see how this ending compares mark 1 1 it's like it's just this thunderous opening the beginning of the gospel gospel means good news of jesus christ the son of god Uh, we learn that he's the christ which is the the messiah the anointed one the coming king and we learn that he's the son of god and um and we have these self-disclosure moments basically as the gospel of mark goes on it becomes clearer and clearer Jesus speaks more and more clearly about who he is. Um, So some key epiphany moments are his baptism, um, that where the, you know, God the Father says that Jesus is my son. Uh, Another key one is in chapters eight and nine, where Peter makes a confession that Jesus is is the Christ. um, And jesus says yes the transfiguration is another one and then perhaps the most clear one is in chapter 14 uh before the the council which john preached on a few weeks ago yeah. um where he says that he's that jesus described himself as like the son of man ascending and descending in the so of heaven. Like,
0: why 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 would it not end on another yeah. aha this is who he is in a yeah. moment rather right. than and, running and fleeing and screaming
1: yeah, and also, and, and the, the argument my professor made is like, you know, Christ being this like enigmatic, silent teacher, which he is at times in Mark. As the gospel goes on, he's not. He's act- actually, Mark, the author goes to pains to say, Jesus was speaking clearly to them now. Um, and yeah. part of the speaking clearly was that he would rise again on the third day. Um, so it, it doesn't fit with those themes. Um, another two quick points um, is that like this, having like a subtle enigmatic ending like this it's something that you see in like modern literature, uh, but it's not something you really see in ancient biographies. Um, and it, it really would have made Mark stick out, and like as uh, a sore thumb among the Gospels, but also just among like ancient biographies. Um, and and then yeah, and it's also not Mark's also not a very subtle gospel. Um, other ones are more subtle. Uh, yeah, Mark is is more of like a message is like in your face. It's in it's intense. Um,
0: and it's cl- it's clear. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, not not to say that everything Jesus says is clear, clear, but it's like, yeah, it's it's this, uh particularly because we have the sense that it's the first gospel, or at least Mark was aware. It seems like it was circulating among people who had no gospel. Like, this is good news, and like, wouldn't you think it would be a little bit, just a little bit more? And that's um, that was my
1: last point. It's just that yeah. it's Mark one one, the beginning of the the good news, the the gospel, and t- this is the ending. Like it's not a full like trumpeting of the good news.
0: Yeah. It just, it just doesn't
1: fit with what the, you know, the, the title of the gospel of Mark in the first sentence.
0: So, so you'd be saying that like something somewhere just got like, you imagine like either this, uh, this parchment or uh, probably more likely papyrus early on, if it got lost early on, um, just got worn down in like a, it was in somebody's saddle or something and just like fell off the end.
1: Something or, like Or that. somebody I mean, was yeah. like
0: uh passing it on and somebody like spilled wine on it and you know the 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 ink you know got runny and they're like, oh man, we lost some of the gospel for good. It. And, and so, yeah, like, and somehow that
1: version was the one that got copied more than any other. Yeah, it, yeah. It's uh yeah, I'm no expert on ancient manuscripts, but I know that you know, if you think about it as like how as a scroll would roll and unroll, um, and a lot of times like the ancient audiences or ancient readers, they would treat their scrolls the same way we would treat like, I don't know, DVDs and like your even those are getting outdated now. But sometimes you leave them out sitting around, uh, or you put them in another place and they get scratched up. Like the 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 part of the manuscript that was the most fragile would have been the very bottom of it. That's where there'd be right. like a marker to indicate where it was. It's the part like is, you know, they're writing around carrying around unrolling it to read it it's the part that's okay. most liable to I get pulled away for terror.
0: yeah right well so i'm not actually going to make a case i think i it, it's it's plausible i th- i think i think that that makes a little bit more sense to me but uh it's an i think it's okay for it to be a little bit of an open question um you know was was this the original ending or was there more what I, what i want to end on is what does this mean for how we read the Bible? Like um, if there's stuff in here, one, it's clearly it's clear that there's a debate, a debate because if everybody thought about it, it, it wouldn't, everybody thought the same way about it. It wouldn't be in, um, in these modern translations of the Bible. Um, and you do have like in the NIV, there's a, there's a footnote it says we don't, we don't know if this is here in, in the ESV, there's a footnote. Um, I, I, I guess I want to, I want to take that for a second and maybe this will be like our I'll give a final word and Stephen maybe then you can give a final word for how this sure. impacts your faith and your reading of the Bible. Um, so, three things. First, uh, I, I've said before earlier, but this isn't the only variant reading in the Bible, it is one of the biggest ones, um, particularly in the New Testament. and. Um, Stephen, can you go ahead and, and reference the verse I asked you to look up earlier, Mark 15, 28? It
1: is not there. There it's is not there. Mark 15, 28.
0: Exactly. So like even earlier, a lot of a lot of us might not have remembered, remembered when we were going through Mark 15, it just went right from Mark 27 to Mark 29. If you look, if you look in your Bible right now, it'll say that. But there will be a footnote there with Mark 15, 28. In the margin or in the on the bottom of the page, and and it just it's basically a gloss verse 28 that um, when he was crucified with two robbers, one on his right and one on his left, someone inserts a verse that says, oh, by the way, this was to fulfill a scripture. And so there's a few things. One, these things are there in little forms throughout along the way, got added in as an explanation note that later historians said, as best we can tell, this really, really doesn't seem original, but it's helpful enough to say somebody thought this might be part of it along the way. So that's the first thing. One of the things I think it's really important to understand um, as you begin to notice some of these variants in, uh, in scripture, one of the things that's really increasing my faith, actually, not shaking it, but increasing and making my faith even more confident, is uh, the fact that we have a lot of these ancient manuscripts, a lot of them, like nearly 6,000 ancient Greek manuscripts. And the number of the ancient copies that we find, along with their variants, not in spite of their variants, actually increase our confidence in the original. Let me say that again, because that sounded a little complicated. The number of ancient copies that we found, along with their variants, increase our confidence in the original. Here's what I mean. Um, let's say that you have uh, uh, two copies of, of the Gospel of Mark and, uh, or fragments of them from the ancient world you know, a few centuries after Christ. And maybe they have different readings of Mark 15, 28, as we just talked about, or different variants of the end of Mark 16. And they're different on this point, but almost everything else, like 99% plus, is the same. And let's say like that kind of thing keeps happening. Like there are these 1% differences, but 99% is the same, that keeps increasing the confidence of the vast majority of what you have in these ancient manuscripts. And so to to illustrate that a little bit, let's say that somehow we found the very first copy of the Gospel of Mark that was penned by Mark himself. And we said, this is the original, and we're gonna put this original against every translation of Mark that we have in the world. And it's from like mid first century, and like the timing and the dating is right, and the style is right, and we think we've got it. A few things would happen. One, you would never be able to actually authenticate that this very one was by Mark. I mean, scholars would go to war, even if they agreed on the date, they'd be like, well, how can you really know? It might just been some guy down the street who said I'm I'm Mark, but I decided to write this myself. How could you really know that that one is the original and it's not been tampered with? That's actually not the better option. The better option to have is these many, many, many hundreds of documents, thousands of documents from all over the ancient world that confirm confirm a remarkably uniform message, not uniform in every single verse, but 99% of it has been transmitted. And by the way, I'm not saying 99% to make a point, actually. Um, That's not just a matter of speech. That's something like what we have. Like about 99% of the ancient texts that we have are united in their message. And what's more, that 1% uh, of what's left over is generally stuff like mark 1528 like and like like it's like a it's like an, a little bit of an explanation message that maybe wasn't original but like somebody inserted it to like help a sermon along or something or like a scribe put it in the margin when some translations a few centuries later it's tends to be stuff like that and by no means are are these variants uh, the kinds of things that would change key doctrines and the last thing I'll say is this, um, uh this there's there's something like six thousand ancient greek manuscripts and there's a a book that i'd recommend you recommend to you called the text of the new testament this is kind of a standard by bruce metzger and uh co-author is actually a guy who's not a believer he's actually pretty antagonistic towards believers his name's bart Ehrman, um but he he does get into text criticism and he actually says stuff that actually he doesn't you know have any qualms with supporting the Christians positions in this particular area of text criticism, because it's just frankly true. Um, But he says this about how the, the manuscripts we have of the New Testament compare with other ancient manuscripts. So he says we can appreciate how bountiful the attestation is for the New Testament. If we compare the surviving textual materials of other ancient authors who wrote, during the early centuries of Christianity. For example, the compendious history of Rome written by Velius Paterculus survived in only one incomplete manuscript discovered in 1515 at an abbey in Alsace. And he says, in contrast with texts like this, the textual critic of the New Testament is embarrassed by the wealth of material. Furthermore, the work of many ancient authors has been preserved only in manuscripts that date from the Middle Ages, sometimes the late Middle Ages, far removed from the time at which they lived and wrote. On the contrary, the time between the composition of the books of the New Testament and the earliest extant copies is relatively brief. Instead of the lapse of a millennium or more, as is the case of not a few classical authors, several papyrus manuscripts of portions of the New Testament are extant that were copied within a century or so after the composition of the original documents. So all that is to say, um, it's important to recognize just how vast the evidence is that just uh, overwhelms any other ancient documents. What we have in in terms of documents that are transcriptions of the original New Testament works are really remarkable.
1: Yeah, that's the. The, you're hitting on the the points that I would have closed that I would have closed with too. Uh, just that the a lot of times it's presented as like a if you go read in some circles, you know, it's like the problems, the problem of the gospels uh, that there are all these, you know, that there are the, these questions of variance over these little, 80 bits and pieces here and there with some large pieces like we've talked about. But really, you can flip that on its head and be like, this actually isn't. This is this isn't a problem. This is actually a sign of. Of, of authenticity and a sign of wide reception that there are so many manuscripts, and especially like you noted with the, the Bart Ehrman quote in comparison with other ancient, ancient documents that don't receive the kind of scrutiny that the New Testament does. Um, and then I, I suppose, I, I want to try and say this carefully, uh, like a, a concluding point that I would have um, is just that Um, the New Testament or or the the scriptures as a whole without losing an ounce of their, their divine authorship and their divine authority. Um, They are real world documents from across a thousand, a thousand years written on, you know, authors from different continents. Um, And, and uh, these, these documents have been, you know, passed authored by God through the instrument instruments of, of, men um and they've been passed down to us by by men in the real world you know people riding on horses uh, to deliver messages that are, have a that is scroll that's next to them like this as, i actually find something like of the, the presence of these problems or um you know eyewitness account like uh, you know the some of the different perspectives you see in the gospels is actually a kind of compelling proof to me of the the the, the truth of the the the, vo- the authenticity the authority of scripture just that unlike uh other religions like say say islam where the god spoke directly to muhammad who directly wrote every word down um or or for, for the Quran or another like closer to modern day example of that would be Mormonism and Joseph Smith, uh, translating the scrolls, you get, you, you end up having the entire witness the entire authority of the divine scriptures resting on the character of one flawed human being. And with, with the new Testament, we have this, this allegedly problem, uh, of having multiple witnesses, uh, to, jesus to to the the birth life death and resurrection of jesus and now we're trying to figure out how all of these how how all of these 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 different very vivid eyewitness accounts can be harmonized um it just it just goes to show the um yeah that's is uh, is there lots of eyewitnesses and it's it made an immediate wide splash um that we now have the the joy of seeing in our scriptures and uh trying to fit all fit all together so I think that's I think that's all I would say and I guess if there's any anyone who's listening to this and is and is like really rattled by these questions wants to get get down to the, to the bottom of it um uh, Joan or I or Victor or Larry or other women's or other uh, women leaders or whoever would probably would love to, to talk with you about it because um, we're I'm sure not the only ones who've thought about this question uh, the bigger question or the smaller question about this passage so I think I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, and this isn't intended to be an entire class on the doctrine of scripture either, but like a focus in on how did the Bible come down to us? And what does it feel like to read it and see these things that like, we're not sure if every verse was original and yet we keep actually getting closer and closer. Um, and uh, there's this remarkable witness to, to what is there to the extent that we still say it's holy scripture. You know, it's uh, what we have here is God's authoritative word that, you know, we have almost all of, you know, um, so, uh, with that, with that, uh, let me end there and say, uh, keep the questions coming and God bless you all. We hope to catch up with you soon. Peace.